Here at Miss Teacher Mom, we recognize the great privilege and responsibility that we have as parents to educate our children. Beyond math and phonics, this also includes building their characters, molding their hearts, and reaching their souls, a burden too big to carry on our own. We sense the call to missional motherhood, but we could use some help from those who have more experience and wisdom than us. So we're calling upon some wonderful godly women and men to encourage and equip us as we seek to raise our kids with eternity in mind. Today I'm talking to my dear friend Kara. Thank you for coming on the podcast again. I'm glad to be here. Uh, You guys might recognize her voice. I hope you've already listened to her episode. It was episode number 10 where we talked about disciplining our children with their hearts and minds. As I told you in our email, there were tons of things I could talk to you about just knowing your life and how you and your husband parents, but I really wanted to talk to you about the subject of time. As parents or mothers specifically, we're not only in charge of how we spend our own time, but we're also charged with managing our children's schedules. So I'd love to know if you can share principles that you and your husband have found helpful when considering whether or not, and to what degree you guys engage in sports and activities, and even as a whole, how you guys have really thoughtfully managed the time of your children. Okay, that's a big question. That Um, was a huge question. (laughs) Let's talk about it sort of in a general gospel foundation sense. So first of all, what is it? And I think the Bible makes it really clear that it's a gift from God and not a kind of gift that God gives it to you and you can do whatever you want with it, but the kind of gift that he like gave us when he gave us creation, that we steward the gift that he's given us, uh, the, the same kind of gift that he, when he gives us our children or our families or our husbands, our, our possessions, time is a gift like those things that ultimately it belongs to the Lord and he gives us the opportunity to steward it well. And then he also gives us rules around it in his word so that we know how to rightly steward time. So that's the first part. Time is a gift from the Lord and we're called to steward it. I think the second big general gospel foundation piece for time is that uh, along with being a gift that we steward, it is limited. When God initially gave us our lives, so time is bound up in our life, right? When we think about time specifically, there's historical time, but we're talking about our specific lifetime. When God gave us our time and, and called us into existence, it has a beginning and an end to it. So it's a limited kind of time. We don't have time to do everything and anything. The third aspect is the sin aspect. When sin came, now the limits get totally (laughs) shifted and become actually distorted. So death now, because of death, our time is always constantly marching towards that end. And to, to some extent, because of that sin, because of that ending point, we are enslaved to time in a a bunch of different ways. So then the beauty of the gospel, and we just have to just think about this all the time. The beauty of the gospel is that God redeems our life, redeems our time through Christ and his righteousness. He is the time giver. We are separated from his giving of time. Jesus' blood unites us back to the time giver, which means our time now stretches into eternity. So when we are bought with the blood of Christ, 
God's spirit comes in and inhabits us and gives us now, we're no longer enslaved to death. We're no longer enslaved to the ending of our time. We see by hope through faith that our time is eternal now, wrapped up in God's own eternity. We are given a promise for our future time. If we can hold this in our mind when we're thinking about our time here, we have, we're, we're no longer enslaved then. We're no longer burdened by the loss of time. We're no longer burdened by death coming. We're no longer buried under the guilt that we feel when we don't use time rightly because God has miraculously, sacrificially, uh, beautifully restored our time. So that's the, the gospel good news when it comes to time. Now, specifically to your question about how we are supposed to be using our time, um, I am always really hesitant to, uh, I, I can, but I'm hesitant to talk about the ways that uh, our family operates time-wise because we're all different. So the way I use time and e even my sin uses of time, the weaknesses I have are just going to look different than someone else. And I think the best comparison that I can think of is your spouse. You love your husband and he is such an integral part of your life that oftentimes without even maybe being conscious of it, you're thinking about your time through his eyes. You're thinking about as you make a meal, you're thinking about, oh, my husband's going to be pleased that I'm spending time making this meal. Or if you're avoiding making the meal, you'll be thinking about, oh, he's going to be super hungry and I have not even started dinner yet. Right? So there's this, there's this kind of uh, underlying motivation that's coming through the love and relationship that you have with your husband. It is the exact same thing on a grander scale with the spirit that everything that you think about doing, you move and motivate yourself through your relationship with God who has given you this gift in the first place and not only wants you to enjoy the gift that he's given you, but has given you good avenues in which to spend it so that you're not burdened by the guilt and the shame and the, uh, the, the regret that comes with not spending time rightly or the way that he commanded. So I can honestly say that's not exactly where I expected you to go with this. I, <laughs> I am a very black and white person. So I was hoping for some sort of recipe or a list of priorities, but I'm thankful because as you said, God has called us to different things. And in that sense, we can find guidance in his word and through his spirit and with him as Lord over our time and let the Holy Spirit guide how we spend our time and how we spend our children's time, because that is going to look different for everyone. So I thank you so much for really erring on the side of freedom and dependency on the Lord instead of rule books or a bunch of lists that I find easier to follow, though not necessarily what God is calling us to. So thank you for that. Yeah, I would love to get into specifics regarding sports and extracurricular activities, actually. Um, my daughter has started talking about sports and she's only four, but she really wants to do a gymnastics class. It's a half hour a week. We're going to be doing that. But as I think about the trajectory of sports, I have no idea where to go. Um, we see, we run the gamut, right? You have families who revolve their lives around sports. Every waking moment is 
like sports are king. Yeah. You're missing church. You're missing your, you know, your time, your effort, your money. Everything yeah. is telling your children sports matters most. Yeah. And we know that that's just not true. I, I have friends who I grew up with who walked away from the faith because of a sports injury or because of something revolved around that life. Um, yeah. So I want to be cautious. I want to be thoughtful because yeah. it does start now. Those decisions, those patterns that we create. So how did you and your husband really think through sports specifically and extracurricular activities? Well, so I can give you specifics about how we operated as a home. Um, one big thing is the Lord commands us to meet together and be involved in a local church body. So if, if your activities, sports or otherwise, get in the way of actually being in community with your local church, then that would be a big indicator that what you say you believe might not match what you really believe. So um, that's that that I think is probably a an overlying principle to be thinking about. Um, I think the other thing to think too is I I know I have this issue as a as a mom that oftentimes when you commit to something we tend to and it's not necessarily bad but we tend to take the momentary thing. Uh, I'm going to do gymnastics for six weeks. And then we think, oh, what's the big picture? Where's my daughter going to be in high school? And when she's doing gymnastics 25 hours a day or whatever. Um, I think we have to be really, really careful that when we make decisions in the moment, those are moment decisions that we're making with the Lord, with prayer, as we think through them. They do not define our lives forever. They do not define our children's lives forever. So thinking about gymnastics for your daughter right now, she's expressing interest in gymnastics. Taking a half hour class, think about it. Does it fit with your time? Does it fit with your budget? Is it, does it work for you and your husband? Is this something that you can do? Is this a, a gift that you want to offer your daughter? You can do that and not be afraid, again, remember, we're not enslaved to time because of the gospel, not be afraid of what the future holds for her. Those decisions will be made in the moment as they come, and you're going to be vigilant, right? You, don't, you know you want to center your lives around the gospel. You want to center your lives around Jesus. You want to center your lives around the church, and you're going to be talking to your daughter about these are the activities that are our family priorities. These are the things that take precedence over all other things. And then when we can fit other things in underneath this umbrella, we will do so. But we have to just take those decisions, one decision at, at a time as they come. I think Elizabeth Elliot says, uh, you'll get overwhelmed if you start thinking too far in advance. Just do the thing that's in front of you to do and be faithful with that thing that you're doing. So for my husband and I, there were multiple times. I think our kids took gymnastics for a season. There was a short season when they did soccer. Um, we didn't do a ton of sports, um, mostly because it just, it, it, when you signed up for something, often they required you to play games on Sundays. So we just would find out what the requirements are, see if it fit in our schedule. And a lot of times we couldn't do it because it would it moved into things like youth group, small group, and and church, which were the centers of our lives. Everything just needed to fit around that. Now, again, 
It's not a formula, not a, like there were times we missed church, not necessarily for sports events, but for other things like vacations. There are times that we miss small group, but it's the consistent um, movement of your lives that, that our family knew, our kids knew that the priority of our life was centered around Jesus, his gospel, and his church. That's helpful. Thank you. So I guess I won't look at my four-year-old as a 16-year-old gymnast playing for the U.S. <laughs> yeah, that's probably not what you want to do right now. <laughs> yes. So moving on, okay. one of my concerns regarding the involvement in sports and activities revolves around those my kids will spend time with. Um, their coaches can become mentors and their teammates become friends. That honestly scares me a bit. Living in New England, they're almost likely going to be unbelievers and they might not be people I choose to mentor or befriend my kids. How should moms process this struggle? Oh, honey, that's such a really good question. And it goes to the core of our uh, responsibility as parents. So um, this, not just time, we're talking about kids now, stewarding our children mm-hmm. who are ultimately the Lord's. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, ha- but the Lord has given us this responsibility and it is a very important responsibility. Um, but again, we have to hold the tension between what is our responsibility and what is the Lord's. And I think sometimes in our zeal, to protect our children, we can actually keep them from from a real vibrant relationship with the Lord that often comes with suffering Mm -hmm. and pain. So I think we have to be, we just, we have to not live in fear. We live in a sinful world. We ourselves are sinners. God uses this world and our own sin and other people's sin to make us more aware of himself, make us more aware of his gospel, make us more dependent on him. We know that in our own lives. Why would we try uh, to protect our children from the very thing that actually makes us more gospel-centered, gospel-driven people? We need to see our sin. We need to see the world's sin. I'm going to give two examples. The first one is um, my oldest son, Sam. We, were, we, we sent him to a Christian school uh, as a, that was a family decision. He loved it. It was a beautiful environment for him. We raised him in our home in, in pretty much, I, I feel like we were, we were very, very careful um, to kind of govern his environment up through eighth grade. And then he went to public school, which was a big, uh, new, a kind of frightening experience for him. And honestly, I think I was more frightened. I spent the year just sort of in prayer for him as he was preparing to go to public school. And, um, and honestly, one of the beauties of that experience, and it was not easy for him, there were really, really hard things that he had to do in that time that he was in public school. But the beauty of that experience was that he came out of that public school setting more faith-filled, more of a believer in Jesus, more understanding of the gospel and what he knew to be true than he did going into it because he had to apply it. It was now not just spoon-fed to him. He actually had to live it out. At one point, he was telling me, Mom, I either have to be the person I am at home at school or I have to be the person I am at school at home. I can't be two different people. So I'm going to be 
I'm going to choose to be the person I am at home at school, even though it doesn't fit in because I want to be consistent with who I am as a person. And that was just, that was a huge gift to me as a mom. He would never have done that if he hadn't had that experience of going out into the world. The second story I want to tell you, and I, I don't, I might've said this the last episode because it's so, it was so influential to me. We have a missionary friend, um, Dave and Karen Eubank who serve in uh, Burma and they take their kids into the mission field and on the mission field, their particular mission field is that they're serving displaced people groups who are being pursued by the Burma army, like with weapons and machine guns and mortar fire. And at one point she was, with her children and the Burma army was like a mile away and they were shelling them. And she was crying out to the Lord, have I done wrong bringing my, I I can make my own choices, but my children, I have to make choices for my children. And I have chosen to bring them in this dangerous environment. Have I done wrong Lord? Because she was getting uh, feedback from other people. How can you bring your kids into these horrific places doing these, difficult things, putting them in danger and, and potentially with the potential of losing lives, losing your children's lives. She was crying out to the Lord. And, and in that moment felt the Lord say to her, uh, her name's Karen, Karen, do not keep your children from crying out to me. You can bubble wrap them in such a way that they are no longer looking to me. They're looking to you for protection. Train your children to cry out to me. I am the one they need to be dependent on. It does not mean that we absolve our responsibilities and that we're not vigilant about protecting our children, but don't protect them so much that they don't have the chance to apply the gospel and that you don't have the chance to train them to apply the gospel. So much of our protection of our kids is because we ourselves don't want to be hurt. They're extensions of ourselves. We don't want to be afraid. We don't want them to experience pain. We don't want them to suffer. But we have to train them to live in this world. And Jesus says there will be pain and there will be suffering. If we protect our children so much that they do not experience suffering and pain and we can't walk with them through it, they will not have deep roots. They will not be able to withstand the circumstances when they come, we need to walk alongside them in that pain and turn their eyes to Jesus and turn our own eyes to dependence on him in that, in those moments too. So I, I, I understand the fear and I understand that we need to be, God has given us responsibility and we need to be careful, but we live in a sinful world and we should have expectations that that sin will touch our children, their own personal sin and sin of others will touch our children. We need to be prepared to walk them through the huge resources that the gospel gives us to navigate those moments. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's helpful. I, you're reminding me of something Vadi Bakum said. He, he's a strong proponent of homeschooling, but he talked about how a lot of parents choose to homeschool because they want to protect their kids from the world and how, yes, we want to protect our kids from worldliness, but worldliness lives within them. And our aim in homeschooling should not be to shelter them, but to train them to as missiles to then go out into the world to share the gospel and make a difference. Like there needs to be a 
prayerfully considering what you're comfortable with as a family, but also recognizing, like you said, that we do live in the world and there's no getting out of the world. The Lord doesn't call us to shelter in place until Christ returns. As we close, I'd love to ask if you have any words of wisdom or encouragement that you'd like to share with moms who are seeking to raise their kids with eternity in mind. Saturate yourself with the gospel truth that Jesus loves you and he has forgiven you of your sin and he is making you new every day. Just saturate yourself with that so that you can impart that to your kids. Mm, Thank you. There is no greater truth than that. There is no greater truth. Yeah. Thank you for your time. You're so welcome. (laughs) I hope that today's episode has encouraged and equipped you to raise your children with eternity in mind. And remember, we are not doing this alone. As Christians, God wills us to will and to work for his good pleasure. We are trusting in the finished work of Christ and we're empowered by His Holy Spirit. If this episode has been helpful to you, could you please write a review for other moms and share this podcast with your friends? For more information and the show notes, check out MissTeacherMom.com. And please join us next week for the Miss Teacher Mom podcast.